Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm April. And I'm Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Caroline, are you ready for this? This is your newest guilty pleasure. It's the bloodiest part of your week. Did we say something about it also being happy hour? Show did. Because we about to be sipping on some murder. Bloody happy hour. Hey y'all, this is April. And this is Caroline. And we're back. We're back. This is part three of your still 100th episode. Caroline, what are you thinking right now? Like if you worked for the McLennan County Sheriff's Office and like ATF, where would your head be right now? Would you be like, eh, just let them do what they do over there? I guess you gotta go about the scared? amount of stuff that they have ordered and have stocked away. Yeah. Because you- if it's a lot of like explosive stuff and a ton of guns i mean i would be a little concerned yeah yeah we'll kind of learn a little bit more about that um during this episode because agent aguilera is dtf and so he's finding out more and more and maybe this will give us a little bit more insight into why we actually did go to them and raid so agent aguilera in my opinion was dtf he was down to fine. Um, he was doing some more investigation because this it still could be some circumstantial evidence, right? Mm-hmm. They don't they don't actually have any weapons that they've seen. They have paperwork of weapons, and then they have a business that could be a fake business that it's a firearms dealer at the Mag Bag whatever location. So, there's a man named Henry McMahon. He's out of Hewitt, and he is a licensed firearms dealer. He sold guns, and turns out he sold guns to David and to a lot of the Carishians. And so, Agent Aguilera went to go interview him in Hewitt, Texas, and found out that he bought 39 other firearms and 65 AR-15 lower receivers. So... He bought the top part of the gun delivered with the UPS guy. He bought the lower part of the receiver from this Henry McMahon guy. Um, and that's an assault rifle. Rifle, And they were trying to kind of ask questions about Koresh. And he was like mouth sealed, mouth sealed. What we later found out is Henry McMahon called up Koresh when they left and warned Koresh that the ATF is on to him. So that adds a little bit more paranoia mm-hmm. into Koresh, okay? Now, Agent Aguilera also interviewed um, neighbors because they have 77 acres over there, but there's still a ton of other people in Elk and on Double E Ranch Road where the compound is. And one neighbor was former military. 
Well, you know, former military, they know what the sound of automatic weapons fire sound like and semi-automatic weapons. And he told them that every night he sees about 20 men dressed up in fatigue, fatigues at the compound shooting at human-shaped silhouette targets. They're having shooting practice. Mm-hmm. They're practicing as if they were in the military. Oh, no. He also starts to interview former members of the group and anyone who has relatives in the group. Um, he finds the Andrades, okay? They still have two daughters in the group who are at the compounds and who are both married to Koresh. And this is when they find out there's some pedophilia going on. They find out the daughters are very young of age and that one of them is pregnant by um, Koresh. And that's when they find out that men, that he annuls marriages and that men have to be celibate. So Aguilera is like, what? It goes deeper and deeper and deeper. He meets the Bund family who also left the compound and they co-signed on the pedophilia on the annulments and also said that he has fathered at least 15 kids at that time that they at the time that they left and that most of his wives were younger than 16 years of age and that he was actively making a hit list to eliminate all prior members who left so now there's a supposed hit list with their names on there um a member named pai poaya payo vaga she tried to leave and was physically restrained like tied down handcuffed for three months before being allowed to leave Grace Adams said she was being held in a solitary confinement for four months, being fed on the floor from a bowl, was slapped around by Koresh before she was allowed to leave. And then other members confirmed sex weapons, 50 caliber, 50 caliber weapons and bullets, AK-47s, AR-15s, 9-millimeter pistols, Street sweepers and twelve gauge shotguns and more. It's a lot of uh, weapons. Yeah, we like regular police departments and SWAT teams. Like I don't even think they're allowed to have these types of weapons. I don't. Yeah. Uh, where it's do you a street sweeper? I I that was know. like a Nelly song or something. <laughs> I thought that kept the streets clean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they needed it to. I don't know <laughs> what they would use it for, but um, it's a lot of weapons. So he takes all this back to his people and his higher-ups and ATF and uh, everybody. And so they have to call CPS about uh, oh the pedophilia. Okay. This is going to make you real proud. <laughs> and uh, We well, know you how know you how feel. I'm a big fan of CPS. <laughs> we know how much confidence you have in CPS. Yes, Caroline. CPS probably went in and they probably joined and were like, oh, screw <laughs> these kids. We're going to go join the cult. They did a full investigation. I bet they did. Full. Full. How full was it? 
A caseworker named Joyce Sparks visited the compound several times in oh. 1992. And found nothing wrong with the living situation of pregnant 12-year-olds. <laughs> with no running water. With no running water, no AC in Texas. <laughs> she was carefully escorted on a stage, and this is her words, on a stage tour, but ultimately could not find any evidence to find back up the child abuse or sexual abuse charges against Koresh or anyone else in the compound. Wow, because usually they can find any reason to file these charges against any parent. And then they get to put them in foster care and they make money. So I don't understand what's happening. Good job, Joyce Sparks. Way to go. But she did see trap doors, secret doors, underground pits... That's totally normal. And and David Koresh did ramble on about the end of the world, the apocalypse, and how she should actually just stay. Yep. And here she goes. She's going to stay. Watch. No. <laughs> or, or that's not part well, of it. He the, gave it a good try. Yeah. He gave it a good effort. I'm, I'm not mad at him for it, but. So, I mean, she, she closed the CPS case, but she did go to ATF and say, hey, there's some weird guns and ammo and but the children are all I mean, safe the children are safe never mind the dungeons and the <laughs> you know the pregnant 12 year old walking right past you but everything's fine with the kids cps this really helped you guys out oh mm. this really helps y'all out i don't think i don't think they're trying to get any help <coughs> so it's 1993 it's january so it's been a 1992 a full year of investigation and finding out all this stuff that i just kind of summed up it's 1993, it's January, and um, they want to get closer, and they want to get surveillance on the compound. So eight undercover agents rent a house near the compound, and they call it Sierra One. Mm-hmm. Eight male undercover men agents rent a house near the compound. They call it Sierra One. Undercover, eight grown-ass men. Guess who? Knows in 20 seconds, Koresh. Because what grown-ass eight men are going to live together and it's not a frat house? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he knows it like in a second, but they don't know that until like later on. So they're like on the roof and they're like on the binoculars and their job is to see their routine. Like what are they? what time do they get up in the morning? When are they shooting at night? What are the women doing at certain times of the day? Where are the kids? Can they figure out where they keep the guns? Where are the men? Like, just what their routines are. And they it's do do that. It's almost like they should have, you know, had one of their own go and be a part of the cult. How smart are you? Because Detective Rodriguez does do that. Wow. He doesn't totally join, but Koresh invites outside people to come to their Bible studies all the time. So Detective Rodriguez comes to Bible study um, a lot, mm-hmm. right, like right down the road. And these are not like hour and a half Bible study. It's like black church times 45. Like you have four hour <laughs> and five hour four or five hour Bible study every day. These people have attention spans, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what Four and five hour every day. I feel like maybe though whenever you get in there, you kinda are like, well they're not so bad. 
Well, and I would be so mesmerized when I went there and I got I recorded that guy Charles Pace. Um, I think his name was Charles Pace, who's over it now. I could have just listened to him just to like just try to fill him out and see how crazy he really is. Mm-hmm. So for this guy, he was like. Anything he says could be helpful in this investigation. So I would have, I probably would have loved that job. It did get dangerous for him later on. So they did kind of do that where he would attend Bible study. Now, they had all this information, right? They had a bunch, but it was not enough to actually just go in and arrest Koresh. They needed actual evidence. So they had to get this search warrant so they can see those actual weapons, obtain some weapons, but how would they search the property, especially since they know they have all these weapons? Mm-hmm. And they were like, this is them in a planning meeting. Like, they have a board. They're, like, around the table, and they're like, you know what? Let's rule out, first thing, let's rule out a siege. We cannot do a siege. A siege cannot happen. It's too dangerous. It could end in a mass suicide. Reasons not to have a siege. It could end in a mass suicide. It could last a very, very long time. I don't know if I find it. It could last a very, very long time. Um, And because they are live, they're used to living minimally, that we couldn't take anything away from them. Mm-hmm. What is it? What do you see? A siege is a military blockade of a city or fortress with the intent of conquering by attrition or a well-prepared assault. Well. And so, like, sometimes during a siege, they'll, like, turn off their water, turn off their electricity, oh, but they already they don't already have, have any, any of that. So they, yeah. so that's why they're, like, it would last too long. They it, try to kind of handicap them. Yeah. To take over. Um, and then so they were like, this could also be so expensive on the government because it could last so long because they already live so minimally. So they're like, siege, out of the question, let's not do a siege. They also knew if they, um, just went in there and served the search warrant by force that it could develop into a siege. So they were like, we know siege could be like, a plan B, like we don't want to just go in thinking let's go in and do a siege, mm-hmm. but it could develop into a siege. So they requested those big Bradley vehicles from the Department of Defense, um, which is, I think, those big old tanks. Um, they also decided, so they decided let's do dynamic entry. And so that is just basically They're going to enter the structure, and they're going to quickly overwhelm them. Opportunity, uh, like surprise, the element of surprise. Yeah. So they're going to go in at a time, like wee hours of the morning. Okay, this one says it's a military operation that uh, surrounds the town and cuts off essential supplies. Yeah, yeah. With the aim of compelling the surrender of those inside. Yeah, you want them to, like, just come out, hands up, and What's wrong surrender. with doing a siege? Well, they just said that it would be expensive. Okay. Because they, they already live minimally. What are you going to take yeah. away? They have 
they already live without everything. Got yeah. Right? Yeah. So it would last for forever. Plus, this is a cult. Mm-hmm. Cults in the past end in mass suicide. Right. So what did Jen Jones do? What did Marshall Applewhite and them do? So if you bring on a siege, they just may do their suicide mm-hmm. routine. And so they didn't, you would give them an opportunity to drink the their Kool-Aid or whatever their yeah, suicide yeah, yeah, ending yeah. is. Yeah. So there, which is, I feel like they were thinking out all the options and they were right. Siege would not be the first Got it. thing. So dynamic entry was their way to go. We're going to go in. Mm-hmm. We're going to go in quickly. We're going to overwhelm them. We're going to surprise them. We're going to deny them the opportunity to even grab a weapon or resist. And so now they have to find the best time to do that. Okay, so usually when they do stuff like this, they do this at the crack of dawn when they're sleeping. They catch them like in the bed before they even get out of the bed, right? But since they've been stalking them, that Sierra One house has been watching them, they knew that if they go mid-morning at like 10 a.m., since they've been watching them, they knew that the men are all in this certain area at this time of the day um, near the compound working in a bit, in the pit, they knew that the women and the children were secured at school, like in the mm-hmm. tower or something, and that David Koresh was usually alone at this time. They thought that they knew they kept the weapons like un- in the underground bunker, and so they had, they just, they had a plan, right? Yeah. It would be no confrontation. Everyone would be safe. They would go, they would present their search warrant, get their evidence, make an arrest, and like deuces. Okay? Plan. Mm-hmm. Great plan. plan. Good plan. Great plan. They had about 75 agents. They had agents coming from Houston, from Louisiana, from Austin, and um, they had a headquarters. They were they were setting up shot at shop at TSTC, Texas State Technical College, where Kenneth McDuff, if you listen to episode one, went to school. Um, and then they were like, element of surprise. They can't see us coming. We know that the Koreshians sometimes go into town. If we drive uh, uh, Loop 340 and we go there in armored vehicles, somebody's going to see us and somebody's going to tip them off. So they're like, what can we do? What can we drive? What can we go in? We got 75 ATF agents. How can we do this? And how big at this point was this in the news? Because I'm thinking like right Nobody now. knew. Nobody knew. It is element of surprise. It can't be in the news or you will not surprise them. Yeah, but we don't know about any kind of a compound that's out there or like there's No, I guess we don't. No. Cuz I was thinking if this if something like this was happening now, I was like, man, if only we were doing this that's Back then, and you you like you go out there, yeah. But that was the whole thing. Is like you knew that there was a weird religious cult, yeah, out there. You knew David Koresh was weird, but you had no idea what was really going on. Oh my gosh! So instead of taking armored vehicles out there and police cars and all this stuff, they decide to get cattle trailers, and they put. 10 to 12 agents in the back of each cattle trailer. <laughs> they cover their agents up in tarps. Oh, my God. And they go out to the comp. They're like, let's go out to the compound 
in cattle trailers. Gosh. They won't see us coming because it's Texas, and you see cattle trailers going down the road all the time. It's okay. Elk, Texas. That's near Axtell. It's 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 a lot of land out there. Like there's cattle. No, nobody's yeah. going to think of any. You know, um, there. This is this this is them planning it out. Still, they're not doing it yet. They even plan to send a lookout guy first, just a random guy driving in a truck. He was going to drive down the road before anybody went, take a look at the compound, make sure there was nobody out with weapons, make sure the windows, you didn't see any guns like hanging out the windows. or. And when he saw that it was safe, then they were going to come. Because if you haven't been out to the compound, once you actually turn into the gate, to the compound, you drive about maybe 250 yards, and then you have to L to get to the compound. And then there's no way out. So once you drive there, there's no way out. So once you're there, you're there. Mm-hmm. You're trapped. Yeah. It could be mash casualties if something goes wrong. Oh, no. Here's the crazy part is the only plan they had if something went wrong was to abandon ship. So abandon these cattle trailers <laughs> and run in a zigzag motion oh, no. back to the main road and they called this the old shit plan caroline that was the extent of That's plan a, b that you know what those sounds like plans i like to make <laughs> run in a zigzag line <laughs> to dodge the bullets to dodge the bullets they called it the old ship plan, and that was the extent of plan B. Like, they had plan A. Definitely a bunch of men came up with this plan. Don't you? There needs to be a woman a part of every single oh, 100%, operation. Oh, 100%. They had the logistics down, but they didn't. There was no problem solving going here. Yeah, you need a little finesse, okay? Oh, I hate it. But also, this the agent that wrote this book. A little bit book, deeper in your planning. Dan yeah. Moore said... Every plan ever in the ATF, there's never been an evacuation plan. It's never been thought of. Why would they think of that? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you ever think of a plan B or evacuation plan? That's to me, that's big headed. That's like, oh, we're it's everything's going to be a hundred percent perfect. Yeah, like we're never going to get it wrong. They also originally planned to post snipers up, you know, just in case they needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they decided not to because I guess they didn't think that they needed it and they later would regret this decision. Now, for the past couple of months, um, ATF agents and the Waco Trib had been meeting because the Waco Trib and the news are have been, and the ATF have been investigating Koresh because once... Because people are kind of now knowing a little bit, but not like the community as much. Mm-hmm. It's more like CPS news, so then the Waco Trib news, so then, you know, like it's a little bit of town talk, but not that much. It's not, no articles have been put out mm-hmm. yet. Like we wouldn't be going out there. You, uh-uh. We wouldn't be going out uh-uh. there. Like that yet. Um, no, not yet. But the Waco Trib, like their mouth is watering. They're ready. They've had this article written since December. Yeah. But the ATF was like, you can't. 
McLennan County Sheriff's Office is like, you can't. You're gonna you're gonna ruin this. You're gonna tip them off. We need to. You're gonna ruin the investigation. Yeah, hold it, arrest. hold it. Yeah. So they had one last meeting, and at this meeting, they were like, yes, we are about to serve this warrant. Hold your article. You're gonna serve this warrant. As soon as we serve this warrant, you can um, release your article, right? Mm-hmm. So they all shook hands and they all left. Again, there had to have not been a woman at that meeting because they all left and nobody Knew. has set a date. Popos didn't say, we're going to serve the warrant on this so date. Like, oh, wait, wait. We're going to release the and article. Waco, you didn't tell us the date. Yeah, and Waco Trib didn't say... When can we release it, or the when we're going to release just it? Been like we are releasing this at this time and this time. So if you're going to do it, do it before. Do it before this, yes. Or or police should have said, yeah, do not do it, it before this. Yeah. Somebody should have threw yeah. out a date. Nobody should. Nobody threw out a date. That's why I need a female. So guess what? Waco Trib published an article, part one, called "The Sinful Messiah" on February twenty seventh, nineteen ninety three. When did day one happen? I don't know. The next day, February 28th. But only because they they dropped this article. Only because they dropped this article. The ATF was going to do it that Monday on March 1st. Well, they should have told them. They should have fucking told told them. them. They should have told them. Well, guess what? uh, Damn Koreshian saw the article. DTF. And showed it to David Koresh. David Koresh was calling, calling, calling Waco Trib, calling Sheriff's Office because this made him look horrible. He was trying to, like, save face. This is not true. This is not true. They met at the ATF at the ATF at headquarters at TSTC, and they were like, should we, should we not, did this take away our element of surprise? Mm-hmm. Should we not do this? Well, you got to do it now. Did we? Jeopardize Operation Trojan Horse. I forgot to tell y'all that's what it's called. No, you did. You said Trojan, I think. During the break. Yeah. Operation Trojan Horse. Okay. And so they had somebody read thoroughly through the article, and it said nothing about them being investigated legally, just CPS. So the Koreshians can read the article and see that the article said nothing about sheriff's office, ATF, guns, or anything. So the police, the ATF, Trojan horse people were like, well, it didn't they really didn't out us. Really? Yeah. But David Koresh's mind goes there because he's paranoid. Yeah. And he's, he's already done called him. All this stuff. He's art, and he knows the Sierra house is over there. He knows he's already done. Undercover. He's already done called the McLennan County Sheriff's Office. Said, "I know you're trying to infiltrate." So, anyways, they go the next day. <laughs> Lord. Okay. <coughs> the all the logistics were taken care of. They were ready. They are not going to cancel <coughs> Operation Trojan Horse. They said they still have no idea that we're coming. They don't know when we're coming. We're going to go. Except this is a small town. Okay? Small town Waco. And arrangements had to be made and accommodate the ATF. Right? They had 153 hotel rooms that needed to be booked because people were coming in from all over 
They needed ambulance services booked and on standby. They needed coffee and donuts for the... Uh, Who was taking care of all these logistics? <laughs> that's that's a, when they bring in the women. Yeah, that's Make these phone calls. The women. <laughs> the, um, they, uh, they rented the Bellmead Civic Center. I mean, this is a lot of work. Yeah. So yeah. You know, you're planning an event. You're, it's an event. The National Guard was called. They had an explosive self specialist. Like, people were coming to Waco, and word got out, and a local news person found out. Okay? Local news person, there was two ways they got tipped. I, I saw a one, somebody from a local police department tipped them off, and then I saw another that an ambulance person tipped them off. Either way, a local hmm. news person got tipped off. A local news person found out. So it is February 28th. They moved it back to that. It's 8.30 a.m. And a news reporter is lost on the side of the road heading towards Elk, on like heading towards Elk Road, right? She's lost and she pulls over on the side of the road. She's trying to make a phone call. And another person pulls over in a U.S. mail truck. And he mm. asks if the nail, the person is lost. And the reporter says, yes, I'm looking for directions to Rodenville. The male guy is like, oh, yeah, those Davidians, they are weird. I read that article. And the reporter says, yeah, well, be careful. There's some type of law enforcement action going, going on today, so I'm going out there. Oh, no. He the was, male guy was David Koresh's m- brother-in-law. I knew it. One of the mighty men. So he flew to David, told him. David was given a 14-hour sermon or something. And that use that undercover that has been there, Agent Rodriguez, mm-hmm. was in that sermon when, when he found out. And, you know, David had known this whole time he'd been going there for weeks that he was undercover. And in the middle of that sermon, he looked at Rodriguez and he says, the ATF are coming. He shook his hand and he said, good luck to you. (gasps) And he showed him the door. And Agent Rodriguez turned around and walked out and he waited because he was just like, I just knew I was going to get shot in the back. And he said that he did not breathe until he walked off. When he walked off and finally got off the premises, he went to Sierra House and then called the ATF. And he says, they know. David knows that we're coming. He called the command center. David knows that we're coming. So right then and there at 9 o'clock a.m. on February 28th, they were supposed to show up one hour later they lost the element of surprise that their whole plan was based on. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. And because of that, a fourth of their group would be killed or injured within one hour, and the rest would be fighting for their lives. Yes, within one hour. And then bitch is about to be one hour late because they know. So... ATM, ATF is over here getting ready because they're supposed to show up at 10. That's the plan. Back at the compound, David and them have been ready for this for forever. They go throw on their black clothes, their bulletproof vests. 
They're carrying their rifles. The women and the children were told to go upstairs and go lay down, lay on the floor. The other Carishians were arming themselves with 9 millimeter pistols, their hand grenades, their semi-automatic and automatic assault rifles, their machine guns, their 50 caliber, caliber rifles. They had assumed their assigned positions that they had had been practicing mm-hmm. in the window and in their trapped doors and other locations, and they sat back and they waited for their apocalypse that they had been waiting and preparing for. Dun, dun, dun. What was even the point of that detective to go in there? Um, Rodriguez? Yeah. To see if during any of these Bible studies, will David release some information mm. about a plan? When? Because they were thinking this whole time that they would go into the community and assault the community or that they had a big mass suicide plan. So that was the ATF's thinking this whole time. And sheriff's office is either one, they're going to mass suicide and kill all these women and children themselves like cults do, or were they planning to use these weapons to go in and kill them? To go and kill people, innocent people in the community. Yeah. And that's why they wanted to go out there. So they were hoping that that this person would hear that and nothing like that came up. But it was total opposite. When he was preaching about the apocalypse, everybody that was an original Christian knew that that was code. That code language was government mm-hmm. and them. But he was using the word Satan and God and whatever. So... Agent Rodriguez would have never really been able to put it together till later on. Poor guy. Poor guy, poor guy, poor guy, poor guy. Okay, so what are you thinking now? I mean, we know how it's going to end, but, you know, Waco's about to come, um, ATF is about to come in. Are you scared for them? No. No? Mm -mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You don't don't know what's going to happen? Well, I do because I watched it in second grade, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I would have thought. Okay, so part no four thoughts. is the last part you're gonna go, you're gonna get, and for t- this today for this episode, and um, it starts off the actual Operation Trojan Horse. Now, in Dan's book, he goes through, if, like, you were interested in play-by-play, like, minute-by-minute, the whole thing, I am very much summing it up for you. Um, I'm going to go through the highlights of that and kind of how it went down up until the ceasefire on part four. Next week, you'll be able to get... The ending and kind of the aftermath of that. All right, y'all. Love it. Don't forget to stay aware, stay alive, and always be DTF. Bye, y'all. Goodbye.
This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. Thank you.